Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We are your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Thomas Anthony Nuzzi. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more crime over coffee content by signing up for our patreon you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content to check out this opportunity and sign up for the crime over coffee patreon visit www.patreon.com slash crime over coffee pod thank you again for all of your support in 2001 52-year-old Thomas Anthony Nuzzi was a traveling registered nurse in Alaska. At this time, he was basically just traveling to different towns in Alaska um, when he would have an assignment, and he would stay there for a few months that varied here and there and work as a registered nurse. And because of this, he was, one, obviously traveling a lot, but two, he just didn't have a permanent address because he was always on the move for months at a time. So at this point, he had been in Alaska for about seven years and he would stay in hotels and motels while he was traveling around depending on where his assignment was. And what he would do typically, he did have some belongings that he kept with him, but he would just rent a storage unit. And that's where most of his belongings would stay other than what he was using regularly, like his clothes, and the toiletries and, you know, the things you would take on vacation with you, basically. In June of 2001, he was staying at a motel in Anchorage, and he was about to be working on site in Bethel for a few months. And Bethel was a plane ride away from Anchorage. Um, it was about an hour away. And so in on June 18th, he was to be in Bethel to start this new assignment. That date rolls around and Thomas does not show up to work. And at this point, he had been known as a good worker. While he was traveling around, he still had some core people he knew and that he had worked with in different situations and on different assignments. And so when that date rolled around and he didn't show up, his coworkers were concerned because that was just unlike him. And so they actually report him missing on June, it's either June 19th or June 21st. And I say either because it really depends on the agency. Um, a lot of information I have comes from the Charlie Project and they say the 19th, but they even have a note in there that says the 21st for other agencies. And I saw that in my research too. But some point in there, he's reported missing. He had last been seen on June 15th by some friends. Um, and as I mentioned, he was staying at a motel in Anchorage, and it was a Super 8 motel. Basically, at this point, there's just no information, and then these things start to come in that point to a really weird situation, and I think leave more questions than answers. One of these things being is that he had a red 1997 Jeep Cherokee, and shortly after his disappearance, it was found at the Alpenglow Ski Area in 
Chugach State Park. And this was about 12 miles outside of Anchorage. And while they don't find him in his vehicle, they do find his keys inside of the vehicle. They go on an extensive search around this area. I think I saw three days and they just don't find anything, which as most of you probably can assume, Alaska's terrain isn't the easiest to navigate. So I don't think that's probably comes as a huge surprise. Something that comes up, actually how I found this case, it was on an article about the Alaskan Triangle, which is kind of similar to the Bermuda Triangle, but in Alaska. And it's this triangle, this area of land where there's just a ton of people that go missing, airplanes go missing, and there's all this kind of what some people perceive as sketchy stuff going on, basically, and a lot of unexplained stuff. It's associated with yetis and with aliens and with just some weird lapse in time and space. But that's actually how I came across his case. Was there anything else that they found weird with the car? Or I guess finding his keys wasn't weird, but the location was kind of odd. The location was a little odd, but with his car, they didn't find anything weird. However, there are some more things that come up. So I think I mentioned it, maybe I haven't yet, but there's no record of him actually checking out. And it so happens that his nephew, Stephen Reeves, had been in Alaska for a vacation. And so at the time of the disappearance, he was there and he decides to kind of look into it, obviously, because he's in the state and his uncle is missing. So what they decide to go do is look at the storage unit. And what Stephen finds is that the storage unit is unlocked. And inside of it, they find Thomas's cell phone, mountain bike, wallet, with the credit cards in it, and his driver's license. However, his 38 caliber gun was missing. Were there concerns that he had potentially taken his own life at this point then? That does come up. And that's definitely a theory that is tossed around in this case, is that maybe he did kill himself because the gun was missing. But what his family and friends say, and I know this doesn't necessarily mean anything 100%, but they didn't think he was having really any mental issues or health issues in that sense. And they think that would have been out of character, obviously. You always have to put a little disclaimer on that because you never really know what's going on with somebody, but this was something they didn't believe happened. And there are some more circumstances that come up that maybe lean away from suicide as being the reason that he's gone. So at some point, his nephew goes back to the storage unit to look again. And something I'm gonna note that came up in some of the um, articles I read is that potentially um, law enforcement didn't really take this case that seriously early on and it sounds like the nephew did a lot of the legwork and a lot of the information we have is from what he was looking into. I can't say I'm super surprised No, with that. It seems to happen a lot. More often than it should? Yeah. And I of course can't say whether or not that's true but I do know that a lot of the information like I said we that we have is from his legwork not the investigating agency so when they go back to the storage unit they find a receipt that they had missed the first time they were there and this receipt 
was for a gas station that was pretty close to the hotel that Thomas was staying at. And it's stamped at 9.47 p.m. on June 18th, which in theory would have been the night he maybe went missing and the night before he was going to be leaving Fort Bethel. So from this receipt, they learned that Thomas bought a liter of pop, chips, two lighters, and some cigarettes. Now, what's immediately concerning about that is As far as his family knew, Thomas didn't smoke cigarettes. So it seems odd that he would be buying some. And they say so much as like he wouldn't even allow people to smoke in his car. So it was an odd purchase for him to be making. Would it have been possible maybe that there was somebody near the gas station that needed a cigarette and he was just trying to be nice and bought them some? It's interesting that you say that. So they go to the um, convenience store right by the hotel that the receipt's from. And believe it or not, there's actually a surveillance tape that works. It works? Yes. And they even have footage of him. So basically what they find from this is that Thomas was in fact the person that went in there and used his card. Thomas was in fact the person who went in there and purchased this. However... There's somebody with him. There's a woman with him. And she is described as a pretty skinny white female with dark hair and approximately 105 pounds and 5'2". So a small, a small lady. And they think she might be in her 20s. Does any of his family members, specifically his nephew, recognize this woman? They do not. But there's another person that was seen with Thomas and with this lady And it is a tall, thin black male with rotting teeth. And that's a description from a witness. I don't know that he was actually on the surveillance tape or if witnesses just saw them together. And I thought it was interesting that the rotting teeth comment came in because that feels specific enough that someone was like face-to-face interacting with them. I would probably agree with that. The only thing that I could think of is, Abby, you tend to notice teeth very quickly in a person they they always say like the first thing that somebody notices is like your shoes for abby it's your teeth i don't know why (laughs) i don't know why but like i like i could see you be like recognizing that even if you weren't up close and personal with him some people notice hair some people notice eyes some people notice shoes and outfits like erica said for whatever reason that's my thing but i think the fact that they notice this maybe points into a or at least connects with the cigarettes potentially. I would agree with that. It kind of makes sense. Now you said the surveillance footage catches them together. Does it catch them like going back to the hotel together or just being there together? I'm pretty sure the surveillance footage is inside the store. I I didn't know if it could like see out the window and be, I'm having really high hopes on this one time that surveillance footage is working. No, we just have this little, it's working, but it's just a little, a little clip. All right. You know, I'm going to take it, but I just was, I was hoping for more. A couple more things come forward regarding this couple. Well, I shouldn't say couple, a couple of people, this man and woman that are together. A security guard had reported that he actually saw a woman and a man that was not Thomas trying to break into his Jeep on June 15th. And now this is a few days before he's reported missing. A little bit later, 
some people who were uh, across the street from the hotel, who actually lives across the street, reportedly saw, again, a man and woman trying to break into the Jeep. And this was on the 18th, which is the night that the receipt happened and the night that he might have gone missing and the day before he's not showing showing up for work, basically. Now, this one's interesting because the people who reported this, the witnesses, say they actually see the man who's trying to break in, get in the Jeep and drive off. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So were the keys, I guess the keys probably were in it then because he wouldn't have broken. Yeah. Okay. So one other thing that happens, there is a man referred to as Mr. Guernsey, and I apologize if I'm not saying that right, but... Him and Thomas were friends, and he would usually um, help Thomas out and give him rides to airports if he needed to, so that, you know, you don't have to pay for your car to be at the airport, because that's expensive. And so, basically, he had plans to call Thomas and arrange him picking him up to take him to the airport to go to Bethel. And he knew where Thomas was staying, so he called the room, and not Thomas answered the phone some man answered the phone and he then gave the phone to a woman who sounded younger maybe he said in her 20s potentially who basically was like oh no um he checked out and then hung up the phone so we could speculate that these are also the same people that he was with at the convenience store correct i think that's a safe assumption and likely the same who were trying to break in the car yeah, we also know, though, that he never checked out of the hotel room, mm-hmm. which is interesting. We find out from one of the housekeepers at the hotel that she actually like had knocked on the room to go in, basically. And when she did, she saw a man laying on the floor. This was on the morning of June 19th. And so she left. because She was like, I don't maybe sleeping or pass out. I don't know. And. So she comes back in the afternoon and she sees this man sitting on the bed. Basically, she tells him to leave (laughs) Um, because she, at this point, either, I don't know if maybe Thomas was supposed to be checked out by then or she knew it wasn't Thomas, but she had asked this gentleman to leave. Did he leave? I assume so. Okay. From my understanding, he left and from this point... Those are the only sightings of this man and woman. Did she know if this man had rotting teeth? I don't... I didn't see a description for him anywhere. Okay. From her account. Well, because if it... It would be nice if it was him, because then, once again, we're seeing the same person just over and over and over. If we could confirm for sure that it was. Yeah. Another thing that happens, another little piece of evidence, I guess, the nephew, Stephen, called back all the recent dialings from Thomas's phone because remember they had found it in the storage room and some of the numbers I guess were connected to some other motels and one of them was to a halfway house however when he talked to them nobody had heard of Thomas and had no idea who he was interesting okay there's a lot of peculiar pieces to this episode so far and I feel like you're not going to give me much of an answer at the end. I'm hoping you do, but I feel like you might not. So I'm I'm a little confused at the moment as to what's going to happen. Well, it's really funny that you say that. <laughs> because to, okay. a, 
basically that is all the evidence we have. And with that, I kind of just want to go into some theories and a um, interview that his friend, Mr. Guernsey had did. So we'll start, I know we touched on it, but the suicide theory, because the gun's gone, but everything else was left. And as I'd mentioned, according to his friends and family, that seemed out of the realm for him and they would be very surprised by it. Another thing that came out, Mr. Guernsey did do an interview and he was talking about the disappearance in Thomas. And he said that Thomas was a pretty devout Catholic and that he didn't believe in suicide. As I mentioned, there was no sign of depression or mental illness within Thomas and that, you know, he was working, he had a good job that he enjoyed. He had no issues seemingly with his friends and family and that he really was like living a good life and was happy. So nothing really indicated that that's what would have happened, even though the fact the gun was missing. Correct. That's... I guess I didn't ask this earlier either. One thing if that you guys don't know about me, maybe, or maybe you do. I suck at geography. In the area that he was in Alaska, was there like bears and stuff like that that could potentially attack him in this park that he was in? And he may have taken a gun with him in theory that he was in there. And he may have taken a gun with him for protection. Right. Well, I guess if we're going to assume that he went to the park where his truck was found. If he was just going and bringing a gun for protection, it seems odd that he would leave his wallet and his phone and everything else. That's true. I forgot that that was left. I w- that wasn't in the car. That was in the... Correct. The storage unit. But... Locker. To also kind of answer unit. your question, there is a lot of stuff in Alaska that could warrant a dangerous situation, which a lot of that is attributed to the whole Alaskan Triangle thing it is a rough terrain there are animals that definitely could kill or injure a human so yes i mean absolutely plausible i was like maybe that could explain why he took the gun in theory like if we're playing on the fact that mm-hmm. he has the gun i don't know i'm just kind of going down these rabbit trails rabbit holes i think what we can revisit and what seems the most plausible is that in some way or another this man and woman was involved with his disappearance and potentially his death. We have confirmation that they were with him. We have some witnesses who potentially saw them trying to break into his car and take his car and saw them in the hotel room and potentially they were the ones who talked to Mr. Guernsey on the phone. And so a theory that I saw come up was that Thomas was a seemingly a pretty great guy and it maybe wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that he was trying to help them and that might include buying them some snacks and cigarettes and maybe calling a halfway house to see if he can get them there and maybe that got taken advantage of especially if for one reason or another maybe he's gonna supposedly take them somewhere and then he goes to the storage unit and that's when they attack him or use the gun against him and something happens and transpires from there where they take him and, you know, drop him off or whatever happened. The only problem with that theory is that supposedly a witness saw him, saw that one gentleman breaking into his truck and driving off. Mm-hmm. And what day was that again that they saw that? The 18th. So 
the night before he was potentially reported missing and supposed to get on a plane to Bethel. So really like the last night he was seen. So it is possible. What are you thinking? What's your gut say? I think that they definitely had something to do with it and probably disposed of the car out there to make it seem like he had ran off. That would be my assumption. And you know, something that... So with cases where someone just disappears and there's not a lot of answers, I always like to go to Reddit and just see what people say because everyone's brain works differently and everyone comes up with different stuff. And I saw this one comment and somebody mentioned maybe... um, that when the housekeeper had originally gone into the room and saw the man on the floor, what if it was maybe Thomas at this point? That, yeah, potentially. Like, they had hurt Thomas and he was just laying there either unconscious or dead at the moment and she just didn't realize it. In which case, like, I think it would make sense then that, for me, the most plausible theory that I've seen and kind of thought through is that idea that he was trying to help them out And they took advantage of him and hurt him and then stole his car and, you know, maybe took Thomas somewhere else. And that's why we don't know anything else, because they did. I don't know. I just feel like they were definitely involved one way or another in a malicious way, I would guess. Yeah. And I also feel like if his car was found at that park, then his body, if he was murdered by them, is nowhere near that park. As I mentioned, that's all the information we have. There have never been any updates. Nobody has ever identified the man and woman. And I know this has caused some frustration with his friends and family because they have at least the woman on surveillance video. They have descriptions and people are a little frustrated that there may be in their minds hasn't been more effort into locating these people. But just to kind of recap, Thomas Nuzzi went missing in Anchorage, Alaska in 2001. And this was June 18th, 2001. And he he was born on January 23rd, 1949. And at the time of his disappearance, he was 52 years old. He was 5'8 and 190 pounds. And as I mentioned, he drove a red 1997 Jeep Cherokee. He is a Caucasian male with brown hair and brown eyes. And... If you have any information regarding his disappearance, the Anchorage Police Department is investigating his case and you can contact them at 907-786-8500. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepot at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>